Are you working on your author career, but struggling to get that first book published? Does the goal of being an author seem too lofty? Or thoughts of having multiple books and making a full-time living are as fantastical as living in Cinderella's castle? Welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where aspiring authors can be heard. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have gotten their foot on the author career path. Hear what they've done to get there and where they want to go now. Settle back. It's time for a bit of inspiration and advice. Come listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. Today on Discovered Luna... <laughs> Discovered Wordsmiths. I have with me Luna. Luna, how you doing today? Good. How are you? How are you? Good. Good. And I see you've got a Twins jersey on, so I'm going to take a guess <laughs> where do. you're from. <laughs> but uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and some of the things you like to do besides writing? Yeah, definitely. I yeah, I'm an author. I have this. Uh, I have three books out, including The Patient Routine, which I believe we'll talk about today. I'm from the Twin Cities. Been in Minnesota my whole life. And outside of writing, obviously, I love reading. I love doing art projects. I've been collaging recently. I like to do graphic design. I do a lot of graphic design for my social media and stuff. So I've been getting into that, too. I have two dogs. I play with them all the time. They take up a lot of time. Yes. Otherwise, that, that's kind of the main thing. That's that's kind of what I do in my day-to-day. -day. What are you, the dog breeds? My older dog is a beagle mix. His name is Yoshi. Great, great name. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I had an author on here named Yoshi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, great name. So, And then my younger dog is a pit terrier mix. And oh, nice. Yeah, she's she's just a pup. She's just a little over a year old. So, Yeah, I we had two dogs when my kids were younger, both rescues best dogs I've ever owned in my life. One has since passed away and I miss her greatly, but the other one sitting over there being a scaredy cat is a boxer and maybe English bulldog mix. We're not really oh, sure. sure, but uh, yeah, she's a great dog anxiety though when I leave. So that's a problem. Yeah. My dogs are, yeah, they're very anxious too. And I work from home in my day job. So I'm here all the time. So whenever I leave, they are a mess. Not, uh, yeah, same, time. yeah, same here. What 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 do you do for a day job? I work in education publishing. Right now it's in like assessment, so like standardized testing as an editor. Mm. It's not it's not super fun. <laughs> My writing is significantly more fun. Um, right. but it pays the bills. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I've I am into helping kids with writing and showing parents and teachers how teaching kids to write can lead to things they can do in their future, including storytelling in video games. Yeah. Uh, as an outsider, I'll give it that. I'm not in the system. I see some things that could definitely work better and need improvement with our education system. And the Common Core is not one of the good things. <laughs> yeah, no, I fully agree. Yeah. Luckily, I work in a lot of like accessibility and accommodation areas. So I get to work oh, with cool. a lot of like Braille, large print type of stuff, that kind of cool. stuff. So that's that's great that I can do something that's very useful because yes, some of it's quite painful to get through, but yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was just talking to the Pittsburgh library. They had a, a fair and they were showing about getting braille 
books into Braille, which I would love yeah. to do because I'd love to have my book available to everyone. Even if only one kid ever reads that book in Braille, you know, there's one kid that wouldn't have read, been able to read right. that book. Totally. Same with large print because my son has issues with his eyes and he likes print, but sometimes it gets too small for him. So, you know, I, I think more authors especially kids authors should look into doing some of those alternatives, even though eBooks have helped and audiobooks have helped. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And accessibility is so, I don't want to say it's like easy, but it's, it's so, it's so important. And it's something that we actually should try to do more of. And it's easy to put resources into it if you care. So that's, that's what I'll say. Agreed. I, I think we're definitely better off than we were 20, 30, 40 years yeah, ago. Definitely. But there's still some room for improvement. So, yes. okay. All right. So let's actually talk about some of your stuff. So why did you want to start writing? Yeah. I don't have a, a super fun, like coming to writing <laughs> moment. I always like to say that I had no clue what I was doing, like wanting to do when I went into college. So I was at a community college just trying to get generals done and I had to take an English class and it was a fiction writing or screen screenplay writing, one of the two. And I was like, this is kind of fun. Like the first thing in college that I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. And surprisingly, I was not, you know, a big writing kid when I was in high school or younger than that or reader. Like I, English was not one of my strong subjects. So once I took that class, I was like, oh, I like this. And then I had to take another English course. So I took poetry, which is my main, my main focus. Oh. And I was like, oh, I love this. And I'm, and I feel like I'm okay at this. Like it was a combination of the, I'm good at, I'm good at this and it, it feels good to do it. So after that, I just kept writing and it, it's evolved into this, you know, a, a decade later and I keep writing primarily just because I have so many, especially with like this book, the patient routine that just came out and some of my previous books, I feel like I just have, there are a lot of like specific things that I, I want to and need to say. So I think that's why I continue to write is that, I, you know, maybe one day if I feel like I've gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, I don't have anything else to say, then maybe I'll stop. But uh, for now I got, I got things to say. Well, I, I love that it was a discovery process and it, you found what felt good and comfortable. Uh, yeah. I, 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 know, I agree with you. I've heard a lot of people that do the, oh, I've always wanted to write. And my focus was, you know, always on writing in high school and, you know, and, and not everybody comes to it that way. And not everyone, I've talked to people who for years wanted to write a book and then they retired from their day job and suddenly they had the time to do it. So yeah, totally. I think that's an important message for lots of people. Yeah. And I mean, I, I sucked at English in high school. I mean, <laughs> it was not great. And you know, I did not, I was not a big reader at all. Like I said, and I surprised, I think I surprised a lot of people when I was like, I'm going to pursue writing, you know, as a career. Nice. And they're like, what? Like, that's not you. Like, well, actually, I think it is. So that's awesome. And I'm gonna preach for a moment. What something you just said there? You weren't great with English in high school. That is actually like the least of what you need when you write and yes. to tell story. Because so many people miss that 
storytelling part. They're so focused on the craft, writing the sentence. And in school, we teach kids spelling and grammar before they've written a single thing. Well, that's like, you know, just in, you know, nebulous. Why am I learning spelling? Why am I learning grammar? It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But if we, I feel if we taught kids writing, just writing stories, telling stories, sitting around in a circle and telling stories before we worked on spelling and grammar, that they would do better with the spelling and grammar because they have something to refer to in their heads. I, I'm yeah. fighting a, a system, so. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like there's something to be said about feeling the creativity of kids in writing, like instead of kind of extinguishing it. And with the software and software that's still coming, all that spelling and grammar is the least you have to worry about because you click a button and a lot of it gets fixed. So yeah, all the right. time we spend on that, yes, it's good to know, but you know, it's the same like civil war. I couldn't tell you all the battles of the civil war, where they were or when they were, I know they exist and I can look them up. And that's kind of yeah. how most people are with dates and history and stuff. And I think that's kind of where our English is going to get to as far as the rules and the grammar and spelling. Again, my opinion, not shared by everybody. I think I'm, I'm on the leading edge. In 100 years, I'll be revered or something. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, <All> right. hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let, let's talk about your book, the important part of what we're discussing. It is called The Patient Routine. Tell us a little bit about it because I, it sounded very interesting when I was reading over the blurb. Yeah. The Patient Routine follows a character named Ashton. They're a college age, non-binary student, and they are suffering from health anxiety, what used to be called hypochondria. And they're having an episode that they can't really shake off so they decide to check into the emergency room and in the process of that the hospital goes under lockdown and everybody in the hospital is trapped in there until the situation which you know i won't try to spoil too much gets resolved so it's a horror mystery thriller it's it's all done in verse like i said i studied poetry for my you know my my MFA, my BFA, all of that. So I'm, that's kind of the mode that I write in. So it is a uh, very playful with the page and formatting and language, but it's definitely a spooky story as well. So, I mean, it's got, it's got a little of everything in there and it's definitely a journey of, you know, the self finding oneself in the larger mental health sphere, the hospital system, gender, and a, a ton of other things, but that's kind of the, the basics of it. Nice. So it's it's your Jabberwocky. <laughs> yeah. Something nice. Like that. So is it a medical thriller or straight up horror? More? What would you say? Yeah, I'd say it. It's definitely more like body horror. It leans more towards that. I mean, there are definitely some medical aspects, obviously, since it's set in a hospital, but it definitely leans more towards just the horrors of being trapped in your own mind, the horrors of the medical system, but not in the terms, not in the way that I think most people think of, of like medical thrillers where, you know, the, the disease or the what's happening is like a really focal point. Like Ashton is the, the main focus and what's happening with their. Okay. And 
can you think of any books or have you read any books that are similar to this to give people an idea uh, if they're interested? Yeah, I think when I, I think when I pitched it originally, it was a mix of The Troop by Nick Cutter, which is a masterful body horror piece of work. Um, and then Eric LaRocca's, gosh, what's the name of that book? It's their first book. There's Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke. It's a queer horror book. Those are kind of my main inspirations. And then there was a bunch of like novels and verse that I read to kind of just see structurally. So that those also took influence. I'm thinking like, was it Long Way Down by, oh gosh, Jason Reynolds, I believe his name is. <laughs> yeah, Long Way Down. I'm just Googling things. Um, yeah, so those are, those are kind of the three books that I, when I was pitching people, those are the ones that came to mind. Okay, nice. So if someone's read and liked those or a combination of those, they'd probably enjoy your book. I would definitely say so, yes. Okay. And what type of feedback are you getting from readers? Yeah, so far it has been extremely positive. We've gotten, I think right now, I think there's like over 50 reviews on a bunch of you know platforms. Nice. And it's been very positive. You know, a lot of people who are, I think my favorite piece of feedback so far has been, and it's happened two or three times I've noticed, people have been like, I hated this book the first like few pages or the first like few sections. And by the end of it, I loved it. Because I think it wow. is one of those things where it is harder to get into because it isn't straight prose. It isn't, you know, something that's super easy to get into if you aren't used to reading poetry, if you aren't used to the structure and kind of the the norms of poetry because it definitely leans into those but i think once you get past the fact that it's poetry and the past the fact that it's not just paragraphs then you can kind of get into the story and actually enjoy it so definitely if somebody's you know all my all the books i'm reading sound alike and they're all the same blah 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 i need something a little different to mix it up i mean that would be a good reason to pick up your book right there. I would think so. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I know I, I think that way quite often, you know, I love certain things like Star Trek or what, you know, but if I watch too much Star Trek at one time, I get burnt out and I'm like, Oh, I need something different. Right. And then I'll pick up my foundation by Asimov way different, but still a little sci-fi, you know? So right. yeah, uh, definitely for someone looking for that type of thing. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, if you're, yeah, definitely if you're looking for something different or if you've ever, you know, wanted to see, you know, I think it also works in the other way where people, if you're scared of poetry, maybe this could be an easy way to get into it because it has a lot of the elements that regular fiction books have. Yeah, that's a good point. Poetry with a plot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty much an epic poem, you know, like the old classics. The, the, the really, really old class. The really, really old, you know, the, the Dante Infernos and the, the Homers and the Iliads and all that. The Beowulf. <laughs> yes. So it's definitely along those lines, too. I guess right. maybe I should have pitched that, too. That, yeah, well, you know, I guess it all depends on who you're talking to. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Because I, I, I could, if I throw out to certain people, hey, it's a little bit like Beowulf. Oh, heck no, I'm not reading that, you know? <laughs> but there's other people, if I say, hey, it's a little That's bit like true. Beowulf. Really? I think I'll check that out. So yeah, all depends, I guess. Yeah, totally. 
So, Luna, if you had a choice, would you like to turn this into a movie or a TV show? Oh, geez, that's. I think it's definitely more of a, a movie. It's a it's in it's a novella, so it's it's a short little piece. So it, it goes by quick. I've another piece of feedback I've gotten is that it's very you know one one sitting type of read where you just kind of go through it just in one shot. So I think it would probably fit a movie more. It, do, it doesn't. I don't know how you could expand it into a nice like Netflix style <laughs> where they really milk it for all it's worth. But I think. Well, I'm, hour and 25 minute movie oh yeah nice and horror quite often loses something if you extend it too much there's very few examples of really yeah. good horror tv shows yes that's true yeah, yeah there, i mean there's few that have done it well but uh, that's not an anthology series yes true <laughs> true i do love like the the haunting on hill house that's great yeah, that was exactly what I thought of one of the few ones. But the Bly Manor wasn't quite as good. <laughs> right. Yes. So, you know, it all, yeah, con- yeah. <laughs> context right. of the series and source material, that also helps. But Very much. So do you have a, a website that people can go to and check out all your books? Yes. Yeah, lunarayhall.com. That's L-U-N-A-R-E-Y-H-A-L-L.com. And I'm at lunarayhall on every social media platform there is nice and we'll put links in the show notes to all that awesome so do you have any plans for your next book I, well uh, i do have another book coming out in january it's my second full-length poetry collection i like to think of it as like a sister project because it is also about health anxiety but more personal when i was Talk. I was just talking to a friend about it, actually, and I was saying, like, the poetry book is more about the hopeful aspects of mental health and my personal journey, and the horror book, The Patient Routine, is more about the how can I make this experience as scary as possible to reflect some of the horrors that I've had in my life, but not to push it to the extreme. Interesting. So, so yeah, so that comes out in January. It's called No Matter the Diagnosis. And but I do I'm I'm constantly writing. So I have another book that I'm pitching right now that is also a horror book that's about analog horror. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like a it's like a YouTube type thing where it focuses a lot of like on mystery and old I like to think of it as like old broadcasts that have like secret messages. Okay. That's kind of the easy way to explain it. But I'm all, yeah, I'm also working on my next, I'm doing everything apparently. Yeah. So I'm also working on a full novel length project too. That would be my first novel. So we're seeing how that goes. I have no experience on that. So that's taking it slow and that's, those are my, that's what I'm working on. Oh, nice. And uh, now you're, are you doing all of these in prose or was this just for the one and you're doing regular type non-prose writing? Yeah. So I have the one that I'm pitching the analog horror one is kind of like a mix of both. It uses prose, some poetry, and then it also has like letter writing in it too. It, it's, it's all over the place. What is um, it called? Epistolary, right? Is yes. That, that's what that's called. Okay. Yes. I keep my terms straight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then but the novel is a novel in verse. That's just, 
that's my go-to. I, I, I feel like I think in poetry now. I've just been so used to it. So when I'm writing, it comes out like that. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm always, you know, someone asked me if I'll write like a, just a standard fiction book one day in prose. And I was like, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I could. Like, I feel like I'm so, I'd have to go back to school maybe and learn from fiction writers. <laughs> yeah. So a mix of prose and verse. But, but also they always tell you, you know, write what you know, and you, you discovered writing. So if you yeah. think and write well in prose, the, the people you start picking up, kind of like Katamari there, you know, with the rolling ball picking you up, that, that that's what they're going to like and want. It's it's what makes you stand out, too. Right. You know, that totally. It's, it's that thing that's different about you, but also something that's not so far different that nobody wants it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Totally. You have that balance. I yeah, I get that. Okay. So what are some of your favorite books and authors that you've read? Oh, geez. You mentioned a couple earlier what your book was like, but your personal favorites. Yeah. So actually the troop by Nick Cutter is one of my favorite books ever. It really got me back into horror. I was super lucky to have Nick Cutter blurb my book. That was an amazing experience. Um, But I, I go back to that book like once, once a year, at least one of my favorite I have two favorite poetry books that I always recommend, which are Black Aperture by Matt Rasmussen and Blood Dazzler by Patricia Smith. Both are great. Those are those are my go-tos. I'm also a big fan of, I, I read a lot of comics, so I, I read a lot of Saga is my favorite like graphic novel. My son loves Saga. Yeah, fantastic. I have the collector's editions behind me. I love that. Oh, I see it right there on the end. Yeah, yes. I recognize yeah. the cover with a big <laughs> stack of books in front of it too. So those are kind of those. Yeah, those are my go-to. Those poetry books I go back to all the time, and Saga I read a bunch too. But the Troop, I've been a big fan of Queen of Teeth by Haley Piper. She's great. Yeah. So those are those are my. I guess off the top of my head, those are my favorites. Okay, great. And where you live, is there a favorite bookstore that you like to go to? Yeah, I love Moon Palace Books in St. Paul. They're great. I've read for them a couple times, and they're a very uh, queer-friendly, very accessible store, so they, they they have my heart right now. Nice. Okay, I'll put a link to them in the show notes and a map so people can get to them. Awesome. All right, so before we talk some author-type things, tell everybody, if someone saw you on the street and said, hey, I heard you wrote a book, why should I get it and read it? What would you tell them? I like to think because it is Pride Month while we're recording. That you yes, should support, it is. You're- you should support trans non-binary authors and especially ones that are writing in verse because that is a, a very niche field. <laughs> uh, Population of one at the moment that I know of. Yeah. So, you know, support cr- experimentation. I'd say that's the biggest thing that I would uh, preach is that if you like this type of work and or you even have ever thought about it, make sure that you you shout it shout it out because nobody will continue to publish it if it just dwindles and you know there there are there there are other authors who write you know horror in verse who write you know novels in verse currently and they're awesome but they are few and far between yeah i don't think i could actually name another horror verse book or writer other than what you've talked about off top my head 
Yeah, there was, oh my gosh, and now I'm going to, of course, blank it. There's this great werewolf one that was in verse, and I'm totally blinking on it, so. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll look it up and maybe yeah. put, it, put it in the show notes. Yes, right. Yeah, I'll send right, it so, to you. So, yeah, that'd be perfect. Let me ask you, since you've been writing a couple things now, you're working on a couple things, what are some things you've learned that you're doing different now than you did from the start? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with like my first book, it was and my first book is called Loudest When Startled. It's a poetry book about gun violence and masculinity, family, etc. I think the biggest thing that I learned from that is that now I know more my audience, like what my people who have continually read my books, what they want out of me. I think that's a big thing that I've learned. Another thing is kind of just like trusting myself. I think that's a big, just like, especially with the patient routine, that was a big leap of faith to just be like, I can do this totally different weird thing and make it a success. Otherwise, I mean, if I didn't trust myself, I think I'd just be writing the same book over and over again with different, you know, variations. I would never have jumped into a different genre, a totally different community really with the horror as opposed to poetry. So I think those are the two big things that I've learned. And, and I love what you said about your, your audience and what they want, because that sometimes can be a hot topic. You hear right to market quite often yeah. in the publishing and writing in, you know, groups and stuff. And a lot of people are like, ah, you know, right to market's bad and blah, blah. But th there's, I've discovered people take that, saying in two different ways. You can have right to market, which means, oh, I want to write a, a successful horror book or a successful romance, you know, and I went and studied all the tropes and I threw them all into this book and now I yeah. wrote it and it should be successful. You, you weren't writing what you wanted. You were writing what you thought would sell. But if you have an audience, like you mentioned, and there's certain things they want from your books, there's certain things they want from horror books, you write what they want. You're writing, that is also writing to market, but you're yeah. not doing it in that sleazy way. That's what we should totally. all be doing is writing what our audience wants to read. If not, if we're just writing for ourselves and what we want, then we don't really have a right to complain if nobody else likes it or buys it. But sure. if we understand yeah. our audience and we're writing what we want, but what they want to read also, that's a that, our Venn diagram in there. I think that's super important to understand that distinction in a couple different ways of saying right to market. Yeah, yeah no, I totally agree. I think you, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a said, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Good. Good for me. You <laughs> agree. Yes. So, okay. So our discussion, let's talk about this. And I was excited because you're an L forgive me if I get the, all the letters wrong. It's changed on me. LGBTQI. A plus, is that it? That is, yes. I mean, okay. yeah, definitely LGBTQ plus is also acceptable. There's, you know, many acceptable versions. So. There's variations, I think. Yes. So, which is not even something 10 years ago that was really on anyone's radar or part of the discussion of genres and things. So the first thing I want to ask you is, are you finding it? Uh, easy or harder to get into? Uh, it's hard to tell because you haven't written before, but do you, do you find that saying I'm LGBTQ writer, do you find 
the difficulties or what's easy about it? You know, what what's different, I guess, than someone that's not an LGBT writer that you can tell, that you can yeah, see? No, I know that's uh, a weird question because you haven't been writing for 50 years in multiple genres. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, well, first of all, being queer permeates like all of my writing. Like everything I write is very queer. It's all very part of, you know, I don't think I'll write a book that doesn't have a main character that's and queer. and we we mentioned this earlier. They always say, write what you know. Well, there you go, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, patient routine, they're very non-binary and that is essential to the story. The books I'm writing now, they're all trans characters and that experience is very integral to the story. So yeah, I mean I think that's from my limited experience over the last, you know, 10 years, because I definitely, I started writing when I was not out. So my first book came out right where I was starting to be out. So a lot of those were written very, I would say, shy or frightened of letting on that I was a queer person, letting on that I wasn't, you know, this man that my family and everybody had thought I was. So, I mean, those things are just like constants for me in my writing always now, like the, just being queer is part of my, my work now. And I guess that as, as opposed to, and I think in both poetry and horror, it's very, they're very accepting communities, the author communities, the writing, the readers. So, I mean, I haven't had any like pushback. I've definitely had some feedback where people didn't understand the crux of particularly the patient routine because it is a very you know queer climax I would say where you know if you hadn't experienced that and maybe if you weren't paying attention to the whole thing as closely you might not catch on to everything but I mean yeah I definitely feel or I mean right now I I could not pull the two I couldn't pull writing and queerness apart for me like they're just inter they're integrated now okay if that makes any sense no absolutely and I think you know you said about 10 years ago is when you first started in the last 10 years the the avenues have changed a, a lot mm -hmm. that there's more avenues you mentioned the bookstore near you that's accepting and allows you to come and read whereas be pre-COVID 10 years ago and all that may not have been a possibility. People, you know, oh, that's going to hurt our store or, oh, we don't have a section for that, you know, and, and I think there's more of that out there, you know, to, to give you those avenues. Yeah, I definitely think visibility and celebration of queer work has definitely increased in the last 10 years. Luckily, I live in a state and the Twin Cities Metro that is very accepting and very progressive for the most part. So um, I hope, I, my hope is that 10 years ago it would have been okay too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I definitely understand what you're saying. And yeah, I think the, especially for bookstores, the, the I guess there's something to be said about the, like the genre nature of, LGBTQ+. And, and I'm so glad you mentioned genre because I was going to bring that up. But for, for people who do listen to the podcast regularly and get it, I'm, I'm going to just bet 
there's somebody, oh, I can't believe that he's talking to an LGBTQ writer and that's, I don't want to listen anymore. But I'm sure there's somebody like that. But sure. But you know what? I have never, I, I like to read horror and I like to read fantasy. I have never taken a horror book and crammed it down somebody's throat and say, you must read horror because I think it's the best. I can't imagine you're going to take your book and shove it down anybody's throat and say, you must read this because I said you should. I don't understand the people that think it's their duty to the world to denounce any genre because they don't like it. And that doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult subject for some people, I guess you could say. Uh, That's a very delicate way of putting it. (laughs) Without, you know, saying anymore. Yeah. I think, you know, some people are just not open to right. the, the, the width of the human experience. Well, I'll say for anybody listening personally, I'm probably not going to go into the store and pick up an LGBT book. That's fine. I'm not your target audience. You know, I, I go and read other stuff, but if one was on my desk, somebody said, Hey, you'd probably enjoy this. I'd at least give it a try, but I don't, I wouldn't stop listening to a podcast or something like that because of this one interview or something. I just think people need to move on. You know, <laughs> why, why do you care if other people are enjoying Luna's books, let them go enjoy it. That's great. They've got something for them to read that they want to read and enjoy. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I agree with you. Well, I'll let you know once this airs, if my subscribe rate goes down, who we don't want to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I don't kill too many of your subscribers. Well, that's fine. Me. You know what? If people are closed minded and they want to drop the podcast because I talked to you and you're on here, let them do it. That's fine with me. Keep the rest of them. Now there is one thing that I, I know you probably deal with that I deal with. So I, I write middle grade books, fantasy books. Yeah. Uh, you write LGBT. LGBT horror at the moment, we'll say. But here's what bugs me. Middle grade, LGBTQ, those are demographics. Those are not genres. You can't just say, I write middle grade because a kid that likes dork diaries is not necessarily going to like where the red fern grows. (laughs) There are two different genres. And what people need to understand is you can have a demographic but within those demographics, you still have all the same genres. So you write horror. It's in the LGBT, LGBTQ demographic. I write fantasy in the middle grade demographic, which yeah. is way different than an adult fantasy book. You know, so does does it? I don't know. Do you run into that or think about it where people just say, "Oh, he writes LGBTQ." Well, I don't write romance necessarily. I don't write, you know, literary fiction. I write horror. Totally different than just, you know, glumping. Have you ever, you know, thought about that? Or is that an issue for you? For me, that's an issue. (laughs) Yeah. I think my most straightforward answer is that I don't care. (laughs) I, I totally understand and appreciate what you're saying. And I think there has been a lot of push for you know, genreizing, I guess, you know, I love that everything, everything and anything right. to sell it. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is that it's all to sell these things. So you can sell the category, you can sell the author, the, the, the book. 
but definitely when I'm writing, I'm not, I'm not thinking about it. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And after the fact, you know, I wasn't like going into this and I was like, I want to make a horror piece specifically. It just ended up being that genre because of the content. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely don't, for me personally, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a big deal or a big thought. That's something for my publisher to deal with. <laughs> Got it. It's probably a personal pet peeve of mine. Sure, sure. <laughs> but but the other thing is with the LGBTQ is sometimes what does it matter? It doesn't always come into or affect the story much, if at all. For example, The Lord of the Rings. I know there's been a huge argument and debate and whether Gandalf is gay or not, and they should tell us. Or I think Rowling had some of the same issues with some Harry Potter characters, who's gay and who's not. It's like, hold on a second. Harry Potter is basically middle grade. These kids are in school. There's a little bit of flirting and you know standard kid dating type stuff, but it's not really affecting the story if someone is gay or isn't gay. And I think, I think as a society, we need to get past that point where we have to focus on that part of it, that it either is or isn't. And it's just part of things. Let's worry about the story. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think representation is important. Yes. In, in the, especially in, you know, early grade, middle grade, YA, it's definitely important to show that these characters exist and that they are fully fledged characters. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to that conversation, but true. Yeah. I definitely think that, you know, again, I, I do kind of think it just goes back to that. They're trying to sell, you know, X, Y, Z, and they're labeling things that really don't like books really don't need like labels and that kind of terminology, I think. Uh, I, I agree. We, so, let's focus on story. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, if people want to debate on if a character is gay or not, like, go for it. I, that's my <laughs> opinion. Like, go for it. Especially if it helps a kid or, you know, helps someone that's uh, a good accept point. themselves. That's a good point. Yes, you're right. I mean, come on. It, it, for almost 100 years now, we've heard the story of the seven dwarves that all lived together in one house. Let's think about that for a moment, folks. Yeah, they're pretty gay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's been that's been in kids' stories for a long time. <laughs> totally, yeah. All right, so Luna, is, is there anything that you would say to an audience about being an LGBT writer or LGBT books in, in general, That something that you'd like to just get out? Yeah, I definitely think if you're, you know, an LGBTQ plus person, a queer person, and you want to write a story, definitely go for it because there's an audience and there are people who want to listen to it and read it. And it doesn't matter that you aren't fitting the standard paperback bestseller ideals, you could say. So yeah, that I just say we need, we need more of that. We need more people to just be themselves and to really do weird, cool, creative projects. And that's that. Yeah. I'll just leave it there. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. And if that isn't for you, great. Go back to the 3 million other genres that are available on Amazon. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I look forward to not having that distinction. 
that, you know, that if you pick that, it doesn't have to be the, the sexuality or the LGBTQ-ness of a book doesn't have to be the focus of it. It, it, it. We need to get to the point it's past that to the story and how well the story is told and everything else is just part of that. that that's sure. what I look forward to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have no problem reading books with straight characters, gay characters, bi characters, trans characters, but I'm not, I, even, even the, the hero characters, I, I, I don't care to read a book where the focus is on that. Sure. I, I want to read a spy thriller or something. You know what I'm saying? It, it just, that's what it is. Great. It can be a part of the story, but not a spotlight. Yeah. Nope. I, I hear you. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you taking some time chatting with me today. It's been great yeah. talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please support the author. Go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast so I can keep the hosting and all the software I use and uh, keep it running for, to help more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love. See what they have. Check out their books. That's what the point of the podcast is for. So people can discover new authors, find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing. So please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use. So I've got an affiliate link. Again, it's a little bit, if everyone clicked on those, if they were going to get it anyway, it helps keep the podcast going. So let's all help each other out, discover more authors to read. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you. 